Nancy's basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. On this evening's Queen City Improvement Bureau, we have housing first, housing last, housing the whole way through. Uh, along with that, we have innovative revenue tools, outstanding improvements, and as usual, so much more. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Oh, good afternoon. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. I'm just, uh, I was uh, tinkering with the time machine, changing more bits of history. Oh, were you? Yeah. What, what have you changed now? Um, you know the Crimean War? Uh, no. What? Is there one now? There, yeah, sorry about that. My, my family's from Crimea. Uh, they were from Crimea. Oh, dear. Okay. Oh. Aiden. Aiden! <laughs> There's lots of unintended consequences. I mean, I do my best. Let's do attendance. All right. All right. But that, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go back in time and eliminate attendance. Oh, good. That still exists. Right. Robert's Rules of Order still exist? Uh, yes. Good. Yeah. Then we will follow them. They're Chad's Rules of Order now. Chad. Chad's Rules Chad's of Rule? Order. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, point, point of taking attendance, as Chad has instructed us to say. Okay. Okay, so first off, we have, uh, oh, we've got Holden Peace. Holden Peace. Yeah, the, uh, the, she was a thriller writer, like a spy thriller writer from oh, the yeah? 60s. Was he any good? Yeah, he was known for some, like, uh, classics such as um, The Berlin Tool Shed. I don't recall that one. Oh, wait, there was a movie about that. Yeah. But they called it The Berlin um, a Place Where You Keep Your Tools. Yeah. It was a really terrible title. It was awful. Like, nobody, yeah, nobody saw that one. Uh, partly because of that. They also did the Berlin Stadium as well. Right. Yeah. But it was such an expensive movie. That, yeah. And that wasn't based on any book. That was just like a, trying to cash in on the Berlin On the Berlin franchise. Yeah. I know. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah I, I believe PC disowned the movie completely. Yeah. Um, then there's the, the spy who threw up on my shoes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I haven't read that one. Yeah. And uh, his last novel, which was actually did not do so well, it was just called Comrade with a K and three exclamation marks. Oh. Yeah. That actually sounds... Uh, they didn't make anything out of that? No. Huh. No. Maybe. Well, my, I think there was a video game, actually. Comrade. For the PS2. Yeah? Yeah. Any good? No. Oh, no. too bad. I know. It was a shame. Yeah. So uh, he's going to be here. Great. Um, I love talking uh, spy thrillers. But, you know, I don't know how that's going to fit with our, our mandate to improve the city, though. Uh, well, it, you know, I don't think it matters because I don't see him here. Oh, and um, this, is, this is a little embarrassing, but I think I think I may have been error. I think I just may have mixed up the letters in in the name. So I don't think we're getting hold in peace. Oh, no. Uh, hold on. Let me... I should be Paul Shen. Oh, actually, that's me. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. okay so you're here. Yeah, I have nothing that thrilling to talk about, though, sadly. Oh, oh well, yeah. that's all right. Uh, we also have uh, Ronig Mandata. Mm, yeah, I don't, I don't know who that is. He tried opening up a franchise. You know those, like, blind restaurants or they, they're, where you eat in complete darkness? Oh, not just for blind people. Not just for blind people. Okay. I think blind people would actually be at a bit of an advantage with that. Right. Um, but this is, a, we, you eat in complete darkness, but he was only serving mac and cheese, like gourmet mac and cheese. He, really? He called it Kraft Dimmer. Oh, that's know. good. But yeah. but the problem was he actually, he was so dedicated to it that he tried to get the cities where the restaurants were located to uh, like actually dim like the entire block. And they wouldn't go for that. Well, they did, and nobody could find the restaurants. He went right. out of business remarkably quickly. Oh, and is he trying to bring one of those franchises here and get us to, like, dim a street for him? I think so. Oh, well, you know, we'll do what we can, but... Yeah, it doesn't seem like much of an improvement, though. I don't know. You know, there are some pretty unsightly streets. That's Dimmer true. lighting might, uh, might improve things. Might actually help. That's yeah. true. Um, oh, uh what? Uh, you know what? I don't think he's going to come today because I realize I think I might have just mixed up the letters. So in Mandata, we got the A, I from Roenig, Aiden Morgan. That is you. I'm here too. Good. Excellent. Mark okay. yourself present. Okay. Do we, so do we have quorum? We do not. <sighs> Sorry. Oh, well, nothing is binding today, but we can, we'll continue. We'll move on. forward. Because I don't think anybody else is going to come with uh, voting power. So. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, what do we got on the agenda? Well, first off, well, you you know better than I do. <laughs> I've got an agenda. You do. <laughs> I just have some uh, anagrams for for us. Well, first off, we have housing first. Wow. The whole hour, more or less, dedicated. give or take, dedicated oh. to housing first. Uh, the 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 program that we have here in Regina, and we have with us uh, Blair Roberts, Wa- <laughs> Blair Roberts from the YMCA, and we have Kenton Weisgerber as well. Hey guys. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, thanks Good. a lot for coming down to talk to us about housing first. Uh, we should probably start. I like to pretend that uh, we have like new people listening into our meetings every week. So they may not know, even though we talk about Housing First all the time, they may not know what Housing First is. So, Blair, can you can you give us like a thumbnail sketch, like a, an elevator pitch for Housing First? Sure, I would love to. Uh, yeah, that's kind of my job, actually, selling Housing First. So uh, let's, yeah. let's see if I can do a good sales pitch for you. Cool. Um, <clears throat> housing First basically is the philosophy that uh, those in homelessness have a right to housing and deserve housing and should be housed and um, that once they are housed it's a lot easier to deal with the underlying social issues of homelessness Um, things like addiction mental health trauma Um, if you're fighting to find a place to sleep every night it's really hard to think about getting sober or healthy or finding a job those kind of things so the the old method would kind of say well, you got to kind of prove you're ready for a house. You got to go to rehab. You got to go um, jump through these hoops in order to get there. But Housing First kind of takes a very different approach and just meets people where they are, uh, and it's shown just significant success everywhere it's been done. Right. Hmm. Um, yeah, I was I was going to play dumb and pretend like I didn't know this, but we actually teased this in the last meeting that you guys had a big announcement last week. We did. About Housing First and that it is, it's actually proving, it's a year old and it's actually working mm-hmm. in uh, the Queen yeah, City. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely working. There's no question about that. We we uh, kind of got to our year of programming and uh, we were able to release stats uh, about everything from quality of life outcomes to the amount of money this is saving the city and the province and um it's pretty remarkable you know like the old way of doing things where people are depending on detox on emergency rooms those kind of things costs a lot of money uh to the city you know and so if if you're not someone who is a bleeding heart hippie like me (laughs) and just thinks that housing people is the right thing to do anyways even if it costs more uh, there's a really good argument that can be made that this is like the fiscally responsible thing to do as well. Uh, it saves money because people don't go to the emergency room. They're not living in jail cells or the detox or those kind of places. So, yeah, we were able to release those stats last week, and it was um, exactly what we expected it would be when we started the program a year ago. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, do, you, do, do you have any of those numbers? Like, what I've got here is... And this this number is so gigantic, it's hard to believe. But like we're talking like a cost savings of around one point nine million dollars. Yeah, correct. In a year. Yeah, and so what we did is we approached the Ministry of Health, our QHR, uh, Regina Police Services, and we asked them to kind of work with us in order to gather these stats. And so we evaluated their interactions with police, interactions with detox, um, those kind of things before joining the program, and then. The interactions they've had since and so you're right yeah 1.9 million in savings in just a year and that's for 26 program participants so f- there's an average cost here of about eighteen thousand dollars or so per p- participant and for just 26 people it's saving nearly two million dollars and we don't e- we d- weren't even able to get actually this this would have significantly increased it I think over two million Although maybe I shouldn't speculate, but we didn't, we weren't able to get the ambulance statistics in mm-hmm. time. They're going to come, I think, eventually. But um, the reality is that's another thing that is a huge cost um, that is very much cut down with this program. So, right, hmm. yeah. What was the what was the element that you saw the most savings in? The most savings came uh, from detox visits. Yeah. Uh, there, a lot of people who are living on the street and dealing with trauma and addiction. If they don't sleep outside, detox is where they're staying. Right. Uh, if you know, if police go and pick somebody who's been kicked out of a business, they either take them to cells or they'll take them to detox. And so, there's people who spent years living in detox. So, 
There, there was an almost a million dollars alone um, oh. were saved on detox, $980,000. I can give me one second here, and I'll grab you the specific numbers. So uh, out of these participants, the this is remarkable. In the, the year previous to joining the program, they were in detox nearly 4,400 times. Um, so just the 26 people? Yeah, just those 26 people. Uh, once they joined Housing First and the year after, there's only 440 nights in detox. So, so was that was like, oh, is that like a 90% drop? Is what we're 91% drop in uh, detox visits. Wow. And so, you know, those beds are open now for other people who are struggling. Uh, instead of a place being at capacity every night, mm-hmm. uh, they're able to help more people. And theoretically, it should save money uh, to the system in the long run if we keep on building on this program. So, Right. That's When you think about, like, how many days, like, in detox, that is, for these 26 people, 4,400, I can't do the math, the 24, 26 into 4,400. Like, is it, that's a miserable way to have to, like, spend that much of your year uh, mm-hmm. having to, like, spend it, you know, going into detox and having those interactions with the police. Like, the quality of life that people are living has to improve dramatically. Yeah, so yeah, no question about it. I think, you know, the staff at places like that are remarkable, but they're mm-hmm. not fun places to be. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I hear people that I've talked to who have stayed overnight in detox, they'll avoid it at all costs if they can. Uh, it's um, it's not a place to hang your hat. It's certainly not a place that you'd call a home. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing when you see a 90% decrease in that. So these people now have a place that they can feel safe and comfortable at home, and it's, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Hmm. The policing was also a big drop. Um, mm-hmm. The police must be pretty happy that they're they're seeing this this like these this service calls that they must be like not having to come out for anymore yeah, yeah. has to make their lives a lot easier too exactly yeah uh, yeah similar numbers for policing um i think in the year previous there was 1153 calls for service so that's just them going out to check on it and like hey we're having an issue here uh and the year after there was 124 only so again huge drop and if you look at arrests, there was 800 and fi- on those calls for service, there was 857 arrests the year previous. And then after uh, being in the project, there was only 58. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Evan Bray, uh, Chief Evan Bray, uh, has been a big supporter of the program. I know he really believes in it, uh, especially just when he sees the impact that it's had. He's shared stories about their officers who they'd have daily interactions with some of these people who hated them and now they'll go into their apartments for coffee and visit them now you know really? cool cool stories like that are starting yeah. to happen where uh, hmm. people are getting healthy and people are coming together it's it's really cool that's remarkable mm-hmm. um how how did this happen in regina how did how did the ymca pull this together with like you guys have partners uh, that you work Correct. with yeah yeah what was well, I should mention that we're on uh, 91.3 CJTR Regina Community Radio. This is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. We're speaking with Blair Roberts about housing first. Um, what what did the YMCA and your partners? What did you guys do over the last year to get this program to to succeed the way it did? Sure. Yeah. There's been a, a lot of behind the scenes work. I think the main bulk of the credit has to go to Phoenix Residential Society and the Phoenix Homes Program. Uh, Kendra Giles is the the program manager and the staff over there. They're like one of the most remarkable groups of people I've ever met. Just their enthusiasm, their joy. Kenton, I'm sure can speak more to that too. Just the women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're good good people for sure. They just uh, take good care of people. So they they've been a partner since day one. Uh, We put out an application process that was really competitive. There were a lot of good applicants, but ultimately we believed Phoenix had the best ability to run this program with the limited amount of funds that we had. So there's been a lot of meetings. Uh, Phoenix has built this program right from the ground up. Like They've started building um, an intake and assessment program where if you are homeless, you can go to them and they will kind of meet you where you are, try to assess where you're at, and try to find you support either 
if you qualify for the Housing First program or direct you to another service that can help you. Now, there's a huge backlog of people on that, but that's something Regina didn't really have before. It was just kind of chaotic where people were going from service to service trying to find the best place to help, and none of it was really coordinated or organized. So Phoenix has, has built that. They're building relationships with landlords uh, in order to get um, apartments across the city for people to live in. Uh, and then, of course, the daily process of checking in with um, the people in the program and making sure they're supported and have what they need and uh, so so I, I want to make sure that they're like highlighted as I, I just love them I think they're remarkable this year we've added Carmichael on on as housing first Carmichael outreach as housing first team as well and circle project is uh, another one of my favorite groups that is offering cultural supports uh, to the people in the program because uh, the reality is a lot of the people in our program right now are indigenous and they need um, that connection and want that connection to their culture. It's it's very significant and it's important to provide that for them. So basically it's been a, a year of a lot of meetings, a lot of uh, trial and error, trying to figure things out as we go along. We're trying to work really closely with all the other community groups that are doing housing and make sure that uh, we can all work together. And Sometimes it works smoothly, sometimes it's more difficult than others, but I think if last week in the stats proved anything, you know, we're on the right track. Yeah. I hope you don't mind me backing up just for a second. Sure thing. Uh, actually, Kendra sends her regrets. She was supposed to come tonight, uh, and uh, she couldn't make it. Uh, so, um, hi, Kendra, if you're listening. What up? Um, what, what is, like, what was Phoenix Homes before Housing First? Like, what, what was sure. their function before this? Well, it's, before, uh, they, they basically built the program two years ago, and it started as just a general housing program, so if... If you needed help, you go to Phoenix and they would house you, kind of similar to how Carmichael runs or any other organization that kind of does housing support work. Uh, there wasn't any attempt to identify the need of the individual, though. So it was kind of like, if if we have the capacity to help you, we will, sort of. Um, so that ran for about a year before it officially became Housing First, which is okay. a, a focus on the highest level of need. So they went from kind of being a general housing group to specifically housing those who have the highest level of need, uh, living in detox, living in emergency rooms, that kind of thing. So that would be the most significant difference. Uh, before they were doing that, actually, like this program is sort of an offshoot of Phoenix. I probably shouldn't, yeah, I don't want to <laughs> misspeak about Phoenix Residential Society. I know they do a lot of stuff, great programming with uh, acquired brain injuries in the health region. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they're... They have a lot of experience with, like, housing and support of people. And so it just felt like a natural fit to kind of work with them, even though they're kind of new to this, too. But they're good at what they do. Right. With with the Housing First, are you guys finding existing rental units to, to house people in? Or are uh, are there housing is housing being actually built for Housing First? Right now, it's existing rental units. Um the vacancy rate last I heard was somewhere around 6%, yeah. uh, which is fairly high. So there's a lot of empty units out there, but the prices haven't really come down. And so it's it's very challenging right now uh, to find units for people. It's not because there's a lack of options. It's because there's a lack of affordable options. And so mm-hmm. I know Kendra and various other housing organizations like Carmichael, uh, like Street Culture and the YWCA, all these gr- great d- groups doing this kind of work. They're trying to build partnerships with different landlords that will offer kind of that lowered rate. Um, you know, it's a win-win for the landlord if you can because they, they, you know, if they can lower the price a little bit to kind of have make sure a client's in there, uh, then they've also got this great support team that they can call on if they need help. You know, and both and, the landlord and the tenant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's that's we still need to build those relationships, especially as the program grows in number. I know sometimes uh, landlords don't necessarily buy into the project at the start, um, but once they see the the benefit of having the Phoenix team kind of surround the person with support, I think it's a a win-win for them. Have you guys encountered much resistance in the community to Housing First or to the tenants themselves? Uh, Not that I'm aware of at this point. The beautiful thing about this is we're not... Okay, so here's where Regina's at. We don't really have supportive housing for individuals where we can take like the highest need people and like put 8 to 12 or 12 to 24 whatever number you want to pick 
and one site. Mm-hmm. Now, there's always kind of the idea of not in my backyard. Uh, the NIMBYism <laughs> effect is very common. Uh, but because we don't have that, really, for this program, there hasn't really been a lot of that because, you know, people will be, you know, some will be in North Regina, some are in South, some are in East. They're kind of where it, the best fit is for the client is where they want to place them. So that's complicated sometimes depending on how many landlords you have to work with. But, um, you know, again, maybe Kenton can speak more to this, but from what I've heard at least at this point is there hasn't really been a lot of that because uh, I think the reality is they're good people and <laughs> they're just your neighbors. They're, yeah, um, yeah there's nothing... Uh, there's nothing really to oppose once people are housed and supported like this. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a different conversation if you're talking about building a huge facility on somebody's block and you, you tell the community in advance this is going to happen. I'm sure we'd get some pushback there. But uh, that's something we still need, though. For certain people, the support of living is, is very important and needed, but we don't really have that option at this point. So, yeah. So how about, can, have you heard of any, like, stories of people, like, resisting this? Uh, not with my experience with the program. Um, I felt that it was a, a lot of group effort and group, group um, support. Um, because of that, um, it's honestly been a lot more accepting. Um, I In the building I'm staying in, there was three other clients in there. And uh, from my understanding, we have a good relationship with the building, myself, um, I've seen clients come and go and have to be relocated for their needs, um, whether it be if they have a disability and they need to get into a building that has elevators and that sort of situation. So um, myself, I've actually helped the program and helped them clean up the place and get it all ready and make sure that it's uh, renter ready for the next tenant or the next client coming in. So um, with seeing that, it's like... as a part of it, I, I want to make sure that I, I represent the, this program in a positive light because without this type of thing, um, it's very difficult to to get on your feet, especially if you're trying to um, come from a negative situation into a positive one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't introduce this at the beginning, but you're actually a client of Housing First. That's correct, yes. Uh, I've been with them for about um, going on 14, 15 months, I believe. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's been quite an incredible journey. Um, when I first came back from, I was living in Alberta and I came back, it was, I went from having a very well-off life, um, being able to provide for myself, uh, very comfortable living, to relocating back here with um, literally just the clothes on my back and to try to secure a home when you don't have a fixed address or secure a position in um, for work and you don't have that type of information, it becomes very difficult. Um, a lot of places do require you to even have a, an offer letter just to get in there when you're doing the application process. Um, Fortunately for myself, at that time, I did have a roommate that was able to help me get into a place. Um, From there, uh, it was a very difficult journey to get started. Um, I had no furniture, as I mentioned earlier, and it was pretty much just sleeping on the floor, paying rent, and um, this led to some of my uh, mental illness flaring up with the depression and anxiety, and how I was relieving it was uh, my addiction. I would drink after work or drink um, to just try to not think about these types of things. And as I learned with um, addiction, it is progressive. And over time, it started to become problematic in my life, and I lost control. So my roommate and my employer at the time decided that it was best that if they went their separate ways... Uh, there was no way I would have been able to keep my condo even though I had a pretty decent relationship with the landlord. It was just, it was infeasible at the time. Um, at that point, I became homeless and it was from being in a situation where I was comfortable. Um, I had I had a purpose and then from there... I'm on the streets, and the thing about looking for work is after you've done it 
for about eight, nine hours for three days. There's not really much you can do except play the waiting game. And that's where I was. I was couch surfing. I was spending my time downtown looking, hitting the pavement, trying to apply for the employment and hopefully finding something to get a position so I can um, save up enough money so I could pay that damage deposit and it was a difficult road at that point like uh, i took a lot of things that we all take for granted um i've said this in the conference was uh being able to get a drink of water whenever you like being able to keep food for 12 hours um finding shade when it's hot finding warmth when it's cold um myself um I would find vents that were blowing out heat just to stand by because if you're in the mall all the time when you're homeless, that's where your loitering becomes an issue. So that that would cause more strain on the public and going into that situation not feeling any worth um, uh, and fully engulfed in my addiction and, as I said, my mental illness, uh, I turned to detox to see if maybe there's a new way of life that I wasn't... Um, aware of because at the time I didn't have any self-worth I didn't have a home I had no support and the only thing I had when I went into detox is I had a desire to sober up and change my life and that's where um, as I said before the the angel Kendra she (laughs) came into my life and um, she explained that there was this housing first program. I told her a bit about what I had been through and um, the situation that I've been going through, um, dealing with some, as I said, mental health issues. And she decided to do the um, application for the program, which I met the needs. Um, this is in the very, very early stages of the housing first program. It was actually in its infancy at that time. So it was something new. They didn't even know what they were yet. And they're like, oh, yeah, they they uh, they didn't know what they were, and they wanted to help me out and get me back on my feet. So what had happened from there is they told me that um, I was the second on the list. Um, so I decided at that time to proceed with my recovery, and at that I went to. Um, went to treatment and when I came out I didn't have anywhere to stay and Phoenix actually helped me out at the early stages because they hadn't secured my home yet um, they helped me by putting me into the um, Coachman Hotel and it got me off the street there was a little fridge in there and like it was the first time in I'd say probably four or five months that I had my own space not being institutionalized but it was detox. As you mentioned, detox is not exactly the greatest place. Like, um, it was a situation where you would uh, go in there, and it was very, very managed, uh, very small, small area where you would bring two sets of clothes, type of thing, and um, it 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 gave me a lot of reflection time, and it gave me a lot of time to learn about what I was dealing with. So, in that sense, I was grateful for it. And that's why I feel that like Phoenix is a great program because they're keeping the individuals that, um, as the stats say, are repeatedly going in there. They're getting other individuals like myself that came in there. And this was the first time I decided to reach out for help and to decide that this is a, a turning point in my life and I wanted to become a productive member of society. And Phoenix is keeping these other clients and my fellow clients in their homes and helping them assist them with their living. It's, it's just an amazing, amazing experience. And to be part of that and see the difference in from when I first came in there and these individuals wearing, they're looking very disheveled to now they're coming in with their head high and there's laughter and there's a joy in these individuals' life. Um, winter time, they're wearing warm jackets and boots. These are things that when they were on the streets, they didn't have to look forward to. And as myself, like I know when it's minus 40 out there and you don't have a place to stay and 
you you're not too sure where you're going to be sleeping that that night phoenix coming into your life and giving you that sense of ownership like uh getting you into your home and being able to have a bed to sleep in and food in your fridge these are things that you couldn't even imagine not going without especially myself going from where i was in life to having that uh abruptly come in my way just i'm just really grateful that the these women came into my life because these women at phoenix they're such kind-hearted individuals they're very understanding and they love what they do that's that's really refreshing it's I really oh, hate to interrupt. Oh, no you. worries. Yeah, but we we have to we have to like move on to oh. innovative revenue tools. But let, let's put a pin in this and come back to sure it. Sure thing. Right after uh, we do them, we'll just go straight to the recorded ones. Oh, right then. Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so here's some innovative revenue tools. Ways to like raise revenue. Innovatively. Innovatively. Hi, I'm local blogger Kenton DeYoung. Did you know? In 1933, local businessman James Strathdee was in a motor accident which left him physically disabled and unable to carry his weight in the family company. In 1936, he was found dead on the train tracks near his work from a shotgun blast of the head. Police ruled it a suicide. Bushwalkers Brew Pub now sits in the Stuart Strathdee Campbell Building. It's a paranormal hotspot, apparently haunted by several ghosts, with lights flickering on and off, shadow people, items being thrown, and people being pushed. It's a Regina fact. You'll find more Regina facts on my blog, KentonDeYoung.com, and every week on the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 CJTR, Regina Community Radio. All right, we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools and Regina Facts uh, with another I, Kenton. I have a Kenton fact. Let's hear it. Uh, well, back before Kenton DeYoung was a blogger, uh-huh. uh, he used to play... Um, like oil billionaires on U.S. sitcoms all the time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like with those big, like ridiculous big, big yeah, yep. yeah, the whole, the whole deal. Yeah. Six shooters. Yep. Yeah. They would. Uh, and big belt buckle. Yep. Yeah, he would show up on like Three's Company or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. He was playing the stock. Yep. Ah, uh, that Kenton. He That's gets nice. around. That is a Kenton DeYoung fact. Well, <laughs> we'll have to have him on to talk about that some more. Um, <laughs> we're going to go back to talking about housing first in a moment, but uh, before that, do you know what is coming up next week? The last Monday of the month. And do you know what that means? City council time. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You can't wait. Continue. Continue. City sorry. council meeting. Um, <laughs> on the agenda this time, there is the taxi bylaw review, which we dug deep into last week. We did. We did. Also, there are things like uh, there's a proposed redesign for the city website that needs to get approval. There's also a recommendation to give the Broderick residents a heritage designation and a request for $1.3 million from uh, Regina Exhibition Association Limited to upgrade the Brandt Center in advance of the Memorial Cup in 2018. That seems like a real request. It is. Now, um, this is just what we know so far because it's just based off the draft agenda. Mm -hmm. Normally... What we try to do at the Queen City Improvement Bureau is uh, we've, we've been putting together trailers to get people's you know spirits up in advance right, to, to get them to come out to the yeah, meetings and boost like, the enthusiasm for city participate council. in the civic process. Yeah. And, and normally what we do is we've I've been um, subcontracting these trailer productions out to like a group of kids, elementary school kids, mm-hmm. but they're all on summer break. Uh, unreliable. And, they're just yeah. unreliable, and they're kind of lazy. And they didn't want to do a trailer this this month. You think they'd be grateful for the work? You'd think. But no. you'd think, but they're like, oh, the lights are hot and the, the, the makeup is toxic. <laughs> but <laughs> and Mr. Deshen keeps screaming at us. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Emote harder. <laughs> so this time I had to find somewhere else I could like you know shop this contract out to. I did find someone else to do mm-hmm. this. Actually, something. Oh. Yes, that's the Apple Two C that we keep in the back. Very nice. I, yeah, I knew that's why we kept it. Yeah. I knew there'd be a use for it again. So I went to the Apple Two C, and I just basically I entered all the parameters about what what we know about the council meeting in advance. I hooked it up to the internet, and I just let it go. Turns out our Apple Two C is a big fan of '80s Matthew Broderick films. Oh, good. <laughs> so what I've got for us is a computer generated. <laughs> City Council Preview. Let's let's hear this. America's front line of defense is this computer. It is totally secure. Or is it? You're really into computers, huh? Yeah. 
This computer company is coming out with these amazing new games in a couple of months. I want to play those games. Wow. What? We got something. Games refers to models, simulations, and games that must be them. strategic application. Greetings. City Council is near. Shall we play a game? Love to. Let's play. Global Thermonuclear War. I have a better idea. Let's play Taxi by La Flip Flop. You're a taxi driver and you try to implement rule changes to make the game more fair. While I reset the game back to its start state, there is no way to win. Ha, ha. Alright! The trajectory headings for multiple impact re-entry vehicles. What's that mean? I don't know, but it's great. Actually, that's a request for proposal to redesign the city's website. You like computers. You should submit a bid. What if I should use my subs? Subs? Are you crazy? Why don't you play put the heritage designation on the Broderick residence? That's more your speed, Ferris. What the hell's happening here? Oh my god. Oh, calm down. It's just another request for $1.3 million for Regina Exhibition Association Limited. Must be a Monday. Is this a game, or is it real? Seriously, I couldn't care less. Queen City City Council Games. Almost as boring as Oregon Trail. Coming soon to Henry Baker Hall. All right, so that's our trailer for uh, Monday's council meeting. I hope everybody can make it. I feel like I've died of dysentery and gone to heaven. Okay. <laughs> also, on, also on the agenda, park naming. And a game we could play uh, later on is, uh, guess what crazy lefty notion, uh, motion that uh, Andrew Stevens is going to try and pass. That's fantastic. Yeah. All of this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so back to housing first on CJTR 91.3. Uh, Regina Community Radio with the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Uh, we're talking with uh, Kenton Weisgerber, uh, a client with uh, Housing First, and Blair Roberts from uh, YMCA. They're the uh, lead partner on uh, this project. Uh, Kenton, um, you were mentioning, you know, just the whole process of getting into it, in, into Housing First. There's 26 people. Uh, how does how does one um, how, how does one become like a client of Housing First? What, what do you need? What do you need to do to get into the program? Uh, from my experience, it was um, getting in contact with um, with them, um, whether it be going down there and um, doing what they have is uh, known as a spadat. Uh, they take some qualification questions on your mental health. Um, your addiction, these sort of things, and depending on how you are, um, you answer. There's a, a rating system on your need, whether it be high or low. And um, when I had went into it, um, I had a one of the higher ones. So they said at that point uh, I qualified for the program, and uh, I was put on the waiting list. So it, from my understanding, it's. Uh, very straightforward question, kind of asking about uh, different aspects of your life and that sort of thing without going to, into too much detail about it. Right. Um, something I don't know, uh, and I don't know if you can answer this, Ken or Blair, uh, is there a triage process to uh, housing first? Like, are, are they looking to take the people in the most need for housing or the people who they just think are the safest bets to succeed in the program? It's more of a, a need. Um, there's a lot of individuals with disability. Um, myself, I have some physical disabilities as well. So because of that, um, I qualified for the program. Um, from what I've seen, a lot of these individuals, um, they need regular medications. Um, even a lot of them need help, uh, assistance with walking, crutches, walkers, that sort of thing. So from what I've seen, it's been a lot of individuals that have uh, a need. Yeah, Kenton mentioned the SPADAT before. That, that's it's a really like long service prioritization decision assistance tool. <laughs> and so I, I mentioned I, I, I earlier that. that. <laughs> Phoenix has actually built like this whole intake and assessment system, and this is one of the tools they use to determine the level of need. And so they go through people's um, 
you know, health issues that they've had, mental health struggles. Um, uh, you know, they basically go through every possible life scenario that you could imagine. Uh, it's it's a very intensive uh, and probably challenging uh, interview mm-hmm. process to go through in some ways, which uh, there are some challenges around because we're not looking to make things harder on people. But we do want to make sure, uh, because of this tool, we can ensure that we are picking the people who need it the most. Uh, it's you know that, that there's some people who will quibble around that because I mean everybody needs it. Everybody right. who's homeless needs help, and there's no question about that. But I think the the reality is if we can succeed with people who are are reaching the highest level based on this tool, uh, there's no reason we can't help the people who are scoring lower. So, mm-hmm. what um we have there's 26 people who are in the program right now. Uh, I think the number was higher at the beginning. Like there are some people who've already passed through the program, and are, mm-hmm. have they have they moved on to have they moved out of the program to their own housing or? Yeah, I think I think so. My understanding mm-hmm. is that there's a few people who have graduated from the program. Mm-hmm. There's a f- handful that have actually passed away over yeah. the last mm-hmm. year. Or so, oh, uh, because I, I spoke earlier about how Regina doesn't have any supportive living, usually with the highest level of needs on this Spadat tool. Um, you never force someone into supportive living. Uh, it's always client option, but that that's a, a great option for people with high needs because then you have staff right on site uh, to help them with everything from medication to, you know, a, a central area that people can come and offer those kind of supports. So uh, we don't have that right now, um, and we definitely need that and could use that. Yeah. What is, what does it look like when you're in the program, Kenton? Like, I, I understand like there's there's all these supports for for people who are in the program. Do you have like daily contact with somebody? Do you have like a certain yeah. person that you're dealing with? And then as you progress and you get a little bit more stabilized, um, it it does lighten up a bit. But when you first come in, um, they're usually coming by your place, knocking on your door. Um, they'll come in and check just to make sure your your house is clean, or um, mm-hmm. there's no like. Um, harmful things in the house whether it be like uh uh non-beverage things um they're also looking for other individuals that are in the house that shouldn't be in the house um they do um ask you if you do have those types of people in your life so they can kind of get an idea um just in case like say you're having um people coming over and they're taking advantage of you taking your food that sort of mm. thing so what they're really trying to do is keep those individuals out of um the people who are trying to get on their feet again um another situation is though they helped myself with uh, my 12-step program getting me there um ensuring me that um because I wasn't familiar with how social services work, they walked me through that, helped me get in contact with a worker. Um, a lot of these other clients in the program, they don't have the comprehension to deal with that sort of thing. So Phoenix takes um, takes control of that situation, deals with the worker, deals with the visits, deals with the cost of living, uh, deals with paying with the rent. These are other things that... Um, they're really, really hands-on with, and if you need things, if you need, um, if you have requests, you just put it in with the Phoenix, and they'll do everything they can. Myself, when I first uh, got into the program, I didn't have furniture, so uh, they helped me get furniture um, for my home, so I have a place to sit and um, a TV to watch sort of thing, just to kind of fill my time. Um they're really about making sure you're comfortable is is the main thing and making sure that you understand that they're there for you. If you need someone to talk to, they're they're more than willing to listen to you with your caseworker. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of support staff that uh, they help other individuals that have mobility issues, get groceries, that sort of thing. So it's a lot of hands-on um, helping that. Uh, all these clients absolutely need, in my opinion. You're looking really good. Thank you. And so what are you doing now? Uh, myself, um, I'm trying to further my education. So I'm a student. Um, 
I was uh, attending uh, SAS Poly to do some upgrading. Um, I have long-term goals to go after my uh, business administration. Um, when I did clean up, that was something I decided that would be in my best interest is furthering my education, just so then I can have a little bit more secure uh, living. And uh, myself, since I've cleaned up, uh, I've taken a lot more... Um, better care of myself. I take uh, great pride in trying to be a, a good role model to other clients as well as when mm. I take ownership for that because um, there's a lot of people that they, they don't understand that um, that you don't have to be stuck in that cycle. You can ask for help and you can get help and myself it's been a long journey to go from where I was to where I am now and it's been it's been an incredible journey it's I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was easy it wasn't it was a lot of um, self-work and meditation stuff like that getting in contact with my culture was a big part of it um my prayer that sort of thing it's it's giving me a new look on life and how i see myself is um i want to be the person that phoenix can look at and say well this is a, this gentleman here has gives us hope and builds trust on us and me just doing what I can to be a good example and then the stats go hand in hand it, it's phenomenal like being able to sit here and talk to you about this and being asked to speak at the event it's very humbling like to see that like this hard work is starting to pay off and it's building confidence in programs like this and that's that's my my way of giving back because I don't have the means to um, give back financially but eventually once I do have education that's what I would love to do is be able to support programs like this because what they're doing for these individuals and how hopeless they come when they first come in through the door like um, being at the center and seeing them come down and they're ashamed almost and it's like well life sometimes is hard life can be unpredictable and life can take you by surprise and that was my situation it wasn't that um i planned on it it just it happened that way and because of phoenix they got me back on track they got me into counseling and working on myself and building my self-worth that it's Oh, I, I could never pay back what they've done for me, and I'm just, I'll be forever grateful for them. I'll be, um, whether it be down the road, if I can help mentor other people going through what I went through and tell them that, like, yeah, it's going to take some hard work, and if you put in the effort for yourself, the results will show up, and that's what I'm seeing with my schooling I, I, I just wanted to ask you, you, there's 26 people in the program right yeah. now. You've you've spent time out on the streets. There's a bigger problem in the Queen City than 26 people. Absolutely. There, so there, what, what, what is the challenge that's still out there I, for the city? What, what, what do we need to deal with? I think education's like educating individuals on um, this uh, negative stigmas towards this. Uh, um, a lot of people, if they're given a chance and just given a bit of assistance, they can live a very manageable life as opposed to being out of control. Um, as the numbers show, it's like the, the police aren't um, being occupied by unnecessary situations and they're actually helping and they're able to attend actual crimes. Um, Detox is a great example of that. Like, you, as I said earlier, it's you go from having individuals be in there 20, 30 times to even hundreds of times to having room for individuals that are first time 
um, people coming, deciding that they need to change their way of life as well. Right. So, and maybe mm-hmm. before it becomes a chronic thing for them, they can get the help right away. Exactly. And, and, and like the, those centers are designed to help you educate, help you get clean, and help you point you in the right direction if you decide that that way of life is the best option. Um, I, I'm sorry, we're, we're kind of running up against yeah. the, the clock here. Uh, I've got I've got one quick question for you, Blair. What's next for Housing First? Sure. Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier we've we've added Carmichael Outreach as a Housing First team. So our hope would be, you know, there's 26 people this year through Phoenix. We're, I, we never put a number on it. We're not looking to pressure Carmichael into getting 26 or more, you know, but <laughs> theoretically we should be able to see more people helped through Carmichael this year. Uh, we'd love to keep building this program uh, and expanding it. Uh, the reality right now is we're dealing with very limited funding for that. So uh, <clears throat> the federal funding that is contributing to this right now, it continues through next year. Uh, we're not exactly sure about the amounts, but there's no reason to think that this program will go away. So we want to we keep growing and building because we know it's successful. Homelessness is a problem that is created by us. We can fix it if we want to. <laughs> we, we just, you know, we need the willpower. We need the... the the will to do it and so moving forward i think you know there's been some exciting developments just even today there was a meeting at the ymca amongst a big group of uh stakeholders talking about a plan to end homelessness in regina what does that look like uh so there's a lot of moving parts to that uh you know but our hope would be that in one year's time or maybe a year and a half whatever it would be that we can say um this is what it's going to take. This is how long it's going to take. This is how much money it's going to take. And this is what we need. Uh, and then that the people that are at this table or consulted in the community that are important to this process will uh, be committed to that process. So, yeah, that's very exciting uh, for us. I think that this is kind of like the success of Housing First is sort of the first step of something much mm-hmm. bigger. Um, you know, I think now is the time to act more than ever. So. Uh, any chance we'll, like, do you guys have any idea if there's going to be any city money going towards housing first? I mean, because they're, they're not listening mm-hmm. to sure. us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're very hopeful. Uh, you know, we've had uh, Mayor Fougere at a lot of our events, and I know he spoke about mm-hmm. her in his campaign platform last year. We've put forward, actually, a, a specific request asking them to contribute to this plan to end homelessness, to put some money on the table and some resources and to evaluate some of their policies and procedures to maybe see if there's a way that they could work in and put some in-kind resources or some actual money on the table. Mm-hmm. We're, we're hopeful that's going to happen. Um, I mean, ultimately, that's going to be up to, to council. Um, but I, I'm, yeah, more hopeful than I've ever been that that's the case. So, Awesome. Okay, we're right up against the clock, but uh, Kenton, uh, I think you've totally, like, succeeded at our complicated yeah, yeah, yeah. rubric. Uh you're now an improvement vector, a duly certified improvement vector. And you get Thank your you. own certificate. I yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thanks a lot for coming in and talking to us today. No right. worries. Welcome here anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of wish we had another hour at least but yeah. uh, just to talk about this more. But we don't, which yeah. is a shame. Yeah, sorry about that. So, yeah, unfortunately, we do actually have to uh, make a motion to adjourn here. Okay, I'll second that motion. Okay, I think the motion is now passed. Motion is passed. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Co-hosts Paul Deschen and Aidan Morgan. Music by Guidewire, a.k.a. Ryan Hill. Our guests tonight have been Blair Roberts and Kenton Weisgerber, uh, both of whom have been fantastic guests. Uh, coming up next, we have uh, these called Cabaret with Mandy V, followed by the cockpit. Find us on Twitter at QueenCityMB or on our website at QueenCityMB.com. Remember that's, of course, in the Improvement Bureau, not in the battle. Uh, and for more, you can also find us on Facebook or find us on iTunes or, of course, on cgtm.ca slash podcasts. I believe that's all for this evening. Keep on improving each other.